Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Indeed, and the war rages. So welcome to Rescue Radio. Good morning. Um, today we're going to talk about homosexuality, what no one is talking about. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we ask for your wisdom. We ask for your counsel. We ask for your comfort. We ask for your forgiveness and mercy that we have so blatantly um, disregarded your law even to the point of disregarding our own identity as well as your character. Father, forgive us. We confess all of these sins of this nation as an abomination, sin against your holiness. But we also ask you, Lord God, to give us great wisdom on how to address these issues because there are souls involved. There are people with eternal destinies still at stake, hanging in the balance. And as we speak today, may we speak as the oracles of God, We know, Lord God, that this is a super emotional hot button. This is a huge uh, branding iron that the enemy is using to corral everybody into the same pen, the pen of progressive uh, chaos and destruction. But, Father, we ask you now to give us open minds and hearts. Those who are listening, some of you that are listening may be struggling with the very issues that we're talking about. Some of you may think you know exactly what's right and what's wrong, uh, some of us declare that we know God's position, but do we really understand how to resolve this issue? What needs to be done? What we we're Lord looking to you for wisdom, because this is way out of our control. So, Father, guide our words, open the minds and the hearts of the listeners, the hearers, that they will have both ears to hear and heart to understand what you're saying, Father. Direct us now in Jesus' name, and we pray for divine protection over us, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken to us or twisted by the enemy to be used against us will profit or prosper or bring forth any destruction to us or our families or those who uh, hold your cause in righteousness, Lord God, but that you will lead us into all truth and triumph through, through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, Father. We regard this as a very serious and sober subject, so, Lord God, give us your wisdom, please, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, honey, let me just introduce you, and of course, you have a lot to say on this subject, and so do I. And I think, though, I'm going to start by asking you to kind of maybe explain um, this Supreme Court decision, not the technicalities of it, because I think we all understand what that means, but give us kind of a, a summary or, uh, of where we're at with this thing right now. Well, in a nutshell, of course, there was this uh, uh, Obergfell versus Hodges uh, case uh, that went to the Supreme Court. And, uh, you know, the, on Friday, June 26th, uh, just last week, the Supreme Court voted 5-4 to four to um, legalize marriage, uh, gay marriage, homosexual marriage, in all 50 states. And, of course, some states are kind of resisting that. But, um, you know, it, 
as I said, it, it comes really as no surprise because this has been an agenda for a long time. And, of course, there's been great um, jubilation, celebration. Right. I heard, I heard att- you told unprecedented me. Unprecedented attendance yeah. at um, gay pride uh, celebrations, rallies, parades across the nation and around mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, this is pu- pushing the hot button, even decorating the, the White House, which is now not a White House anymore. It's the but, Rainbow House. Yeah. Well, we all already knew that. I yeah. mean, we already knew this. And so, you know, for you who are still just so enraged or upset or afraid or confused, which are all a very appropriate probably at this point in time, this becomes the distraction. I mean, it, it, it makes you just want to tremble inside to see how far, how close we came to doing the right thing by one vote and how far we have come in, in doing, continuing to do and choose to do the wrong thing. And, you know, actually, I had a very interesting weekend myself being um, on the other end of this spectrum of in, in the same topic area. But what nobody is talking about with the gays, so the, with the gay agenda, with homosexuality, let's just put it that way. Um, so, is there, is, honey, can you give us a little bit more on what you want to say well, yeah. in terms of, I think, our, 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 as a Christian, as a believer, I mean, people are struggling with. How do I respond with love? Because, of course, it all boils down to accused of when we resist this bad behavior um, and, and call it out or define it according to the Bible or go back to the Bible, go back to God, who basically probably in most of these hearts and minds, it, there's many gods, there's no God, there's no one true God, I'm God. So God has no credibility anymore to hold a standard. So when you go back to the scripture to see what God says, it doesn't mean anything to a lot of people, really. Right, and and I've heard you know different arguments, pro homosexual, uh, pro gay marriage say, well, God does not say anything in the Scripture about that. Well, He certainly does. Mm-hmm. If you if you read, the and this scripture. is not a new thing. I mean, we've this had this homosexuality new. even in we, the days of Jesus be, before that. I mean, we've had it for millennia. Ever so since ho- the beginning, really. Homosexuality is, is is not anything new. No, not but at all. What's what's uh, new about it is. Um, are having to deal with it as a nation. It, right. Yeah. Well, it, it's just it, it's institutionalizing uh, gay marriage, ad- which yeah. is really unpre- unprecedented. There's always been homosexuality, but it's never been officially divine, uh, I don't think approved it, yeah. by the state uh, as the as the as the Something red, normal, something of ready. choice, the, the so preference our, our of the of the, pop, of the population. Right, yeah. and our our our. Uh, President Obama has uh, said, um, he made a statement, he says at, at, at the announcement of the decision of the Supreme Court, today we can say, quote, in no uncertain terms that we've made our union a little more perfect. This ruling is a victory for America. We are all more free. He even tweeted, uh, you know, love wins. And basically what he's saying, too. <laughs> love wins. You're right. Uh, You're he, right, President Obama. Love does win, but this not, is not, not what. love. This this is what? this is not love. So, so what he's saying is that. Here's what he said: "Quote, opposition in some cases. This would be to gay marriage, has been based on sincere and deeply held beliefs. But today should give us hope that on many issues with which we grapple, often painfully, real change is possible. Uh, you remember his campaign? Yeah, yeah. Change, change we mm-hmm. need." Shifts in hearts and minds is possible, and those who have come so far on their journey to equality 
that's one of the great buzzwords, have a responsibility to reach back and help others join them. Those who disagree with the idea of gay marriage, based, for example, on their religious views, must change to be more like progressives who accept gay marriage. So he's calling on people who have uh, biblical beliefs on this issue of morality to change. Just get over it and join join us for the sake of equality and unity and love and change. And also, uh, it's interesting, he uses the word progressives. Progressives is a new word for basically socialists, and if you reduce that one step further, it comes back to the the old and communists. Prob- yeah, communists. But anyway, but we're not here to talk about communists today. We're not here to, you know, we're here to um, understand that they don't understand our position. And love does win, but it's it's the love of God that wins. God is it has a furious love for us, and in the midst of this violent um, assault against the human against the human being against our identity, even to to the basic core of our sexual identity. A violent assault against the enemy, against our um, our com- call commandment to love one another. Now, this is very, very diabolical in that the very thing God told us to do to love one another is now putting, being put on the chopping block of how do you love someone who is in extremely in extreme uh, disobedience to the word of God. So you have commandments God has given us, and you also have the commandment, the new commandment, to love them. Now, just to love them as God, as Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, and all the world will know that you are my disciples by the, by, by, by the fact that they see you loving one another. Does this de- definition of love that Jesus, this command he gave us, it's a commandment to love one another, does that mean that as they're forcing or, or forcing us to redefine love as accepting naughty behavior, uh, deadly behavior, uh, is that what real love is? Because I keep going back, Jerry, to the the thinking of a parent. We are given the responsibility to raise our children. And as parents in this scenario, we'll be acting like, um, like God. And our job as parents, God's job in our case as well, is to teach us, to protect us, to help us live life in a safe, holy, productive way. So if if I am, you know, to love my brothers and sisters, and yet it, does that mean I condone or accept their behavior? If I'm a parent, I love my child, but I see my child starting to do drugs. Now, I think most of us would have enough common sense. Maybe some out there say, oh, that's good. Let the child explore that world of addiction and see how, how it goes for them. And maybe they'll find themselves in, in LSD or or, or 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 meth or something. I mean, yeah. If you want to go that way, you're free to go that way. But for most of us, if I, if your child is starting an experiment with street drugs or whatever, you're going to freak out. You're going to you're not going to you're going to freak out. You're not going to know what to do. How do I continue to love my child? Take you know responsibility to raise my child, protect my child when my child now has a free will, 18, 17, 16, doesn't listen to me, rebellious, whatever. And he's going off, she, and doing something that is so scary to you. What and how do you continue to promote, keep the lines of communication open, let them know you love them while you still have to correct their behavior? And this becomes the thing in homosexuality, as with many things, that nobody is talking about. It's the difference, honey, between being and behavior. I will continue to love my child, though they're 
they're they're addicted to drugs, so they're out on the street, though they're you know their body is being racked with pain. I will continue to love them, but I will continue to despise that behavior that is bringing my child that I love into this place of great destruction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what what's ha- what what the overriding argument that comes out from the homosexual community over this is, is you must, if you really love us, now we yeah. we should be. If you love us, you will endorse and approve our behavior. That's right. And if you don't, we're going to get you. Well, it's it's, it's like the child then turning around and saying to the parent, as the child is being more and more addicted, uh, bound into this drug addiction, for example, to come back and threaten the parent and say, if you if you even try to take away the keys to the car, if you even try to cut off, you know, whatever financial supply to my college tuition, you know, then you're a hater. You don't love me, and that's the fear. That that is the that that's is the risk. That's what's going on. That's exactly what's going on. That you the you're the you're the parent. You're in jeopardy if you resist the bad behavior. Try to correct it. Try to take your stand. Take a stand for righteousness. Even in a common sense world, you are now in trouble of being hated by your child. So you're or accused of uh, who is accusing you of hating them. So we have this thing about not this. Issue is not going to be resolved by bashing people or uh, name calling or um, you know be intimidated by um, Christians being intimidated by having to say something that will be endorsing um, or being afraid of what to say. They don't. Know. Christians at this point are in trouble more so almost than the than the homosexual homosexuals because here's the problem we do not know and understand the gospel that we have been taught through the bible through jesus christ the gospel of grace now the gospel of grace doesn't mean licentiousness the gospel of grace means you understand grace in the, in the context of spiritual warfare in the context of diabolical uh deception that is out to destroy you so you know we are accused of being haters jesus said let them accuse you of being lovers so we think to be a lover, I have to be an acceptor of everything. It's, it's like if I love my child, my child is you know, doing drugs, I have to endorse the behavior. We people have to separate out the child from the behavior, the, the being, the soul, the human being, from the behavior they're in. Exactly. Well, that's the route. It's kind of the path of least resistance for from right. many in, in the church, even in the institutional churches. We must accept right. this. Mm-hmm. You know, we must accept this, that... It's okay if our pastor is gay or or uh, uh, transsexual. It, it's it's gonna it's okay. And so so we we who are we to say anything? Judge not, lest you be judged. Yeah. That's the that's the that's the line many people take, and so we just we accept this now. Well, here uh, let me stop for a second on that. Judge not, lest you be judged. That is a verse that's probably well the most well known verse of all, even in the in the. Hedonistic pagan world. That's being thrown around. But the problem is that the church is judging, and we are not to judge. We are to discern. God is the judge. We are here to forgive people, release them, and the crimes they're committing to the high court of heaven. That's really our position. But because we don't understand our own gospel, we don't have a we don't have a solid footing. We don't have a good answer to come back to these people. So, like you said, we're just caving. We're taking the path of least resistance. The least resistance that that parent can take is that, okay, honey, you go explore. You got my blessing. Here's 20 bucks. Go pick up some crack on the way to school. You know, I could probably cost more than 20 bucks, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so, but, but the thing is, 
you know, that's the path. That's not love. Love really isn't giving permission to or, or, or going along with. Love is, it, it, the Bible says love actually suffers. Love bears all things, believes all things, endures all things. True love suffers. So as a parent now, your child is off disobeying, rebelling. You, your love is being stretched. You're crying. You're seeking. What did I do wrong? What can I do better? What can God, how can God help me? So your love for that child is beginning to suffer. So as a believer, I, my love for the people who believe the lie, the people of the lie, my love for them is causing me to suffer. Now, I can, I can take that, that pain, that suffering, and present it back to God and say, God, have mercy on our nation. God, bring these lost souls back to the revelation of your love, your truth, your peace. But silence from the church. We're being silenced. This is an intimidation factor. Uh, it, it is, it's harassment, coercion, intimidation. Join us. Get, you know, get your act together. You're stupid. We know everything. We're smart. You're dumb. You come follow us. Get progressive. Join us with this thing. But our silence is coming. With, you know, either we're going along with them or we're silent. But neither of those is the right uh, approach. Well, see, right now it's like you know, there have been certain movements to stop, you know, disapprove of gay marriage. And well, well, so, could so, clarify for me, stop what? Stop disapproving? Well, no, no to what? stop gay marriage. Oh, okay. Yeah, to to make it so it's it is not legal. And so, even though there's been voter referendums in different states, uh, individual states the courts of the states have overturned the will of the people. Well, yeah, and I think... And now the the federal government, the Supreme Court, has overturned... Overturned the states. The, yeah. This whole deal. Everything. So what happens now, it's like what I'm seeing among uh, the, the the stand that political conservatives, you know, like... Bible-believing? Uh, well, supposedly Bible-believing, political conservatives, those that are maybe vying for uh nomination for for as presidential candidates right. okay. especially on the republican side it's interesting how those have have caved in and have mm-hmm. out of fear right. uh, uh have have caved in to the uh homosexual agenda and uh and have not um stood their ground well up. i surely and, wouldn't and, envy and anyone in opposition i surely you figure you okay. have to be supportive of of gay rights and gay movement. Now we're not saying you know the gay movement. You have to be supportive of that in order to get elected. Right, and America. that's and that's that that is the criteria for anybody who wants to run politically. You 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 really the, the the voice of the population, the people, and there's probably a whole lot more people that are against it than for it. But because because those people have not known what to do, have been you know seduced, sedated. They're not, we're not speaking up, so we haven't spoke up for years and years. But anyway, so well, let me add one more thing related to that. So it's like among churches, uh, evangelicals, whatever you want to call it, um, there's been a movement to stop the institution of gay marriage. Uh, however, and a movement to institute it. Right. Yeah. So so it has not stopped. So in a sense, we've not been able to stop it. So now we're kind of back on our heels, saying, "Oh, let's do what we, let's do damage control. Let's see what we can do now to make sure that our uh, religious liberties are not further infringed well, upon." Get get ready, people. Your religious liberties are non-existent. So really? let's go back yeah. to so. okay. So let's kind of recap for a second. So 
we're being silenced, intimidated, coerced, out of either fear or ignorance. We don't know how to respond to the problem, or we're confused and we don't know what to say. So it's fear, ignorance, and confusion on the part of not our enemy or not the people. Who, we're not, they're not an enemy. They're being provoked by the enemy to take a, a demonic position. But our Christian church intimidation through fear, ignorance, and confusion is the enemy strategy for the Church of Jesus Christ in the end days to absolutely incapacitate it, uh, emasculate it, or uh, disempower it. So, But God is not looking for us to create, nor will this issue be resolved by or through a yelling match or name-calling or a debate or a or, new law because you can pass a law this way, you can pass a law that this. You know what? Passing a law, making something legal, does not make it morally right. Exactly. But if we think it's legal, then we believe it's morally okay too. Just because we can pass all kinds of God, laws for or against that are in agreement or in opposition to the law of God, which is the law of true love, and we can pass all kinds of laws, and we can legalize abortion, we can legalize gay marriages, we can legalize the use of uh, whatever we can, you know, whatever you want. I mean, pretty soon. There is no end to this. We're going to have to legalize some more things that we haven't even thought of yet because everything's got to be legal now because cause it's not fair if everything isn't legal. So and pretty soon we're, toward, we're heading towards an anarchistic, if that's the word, chaos. State, chaos in a state of anarchy. There you go. And so because we're going to have to legalize next, I mean, I'm just, just go common sense, take a logical moment here. You know, we're not go- Okay, now next we're going to have to legalize marriages between uh, adults and children, then we're going to have to legalize people who want to have intimate marriages, relationships with animals, and then we're going to go on and on until maybe even marry robots. Who knows? I mean, I'm oh. sure that's up the road, but now that's not where we're going. That's just, you see how silly this all comes down to be when we want to legalize everything that's not morally right. But going back to this, so we're not going to resolve this by common sense, reason, logic, laws, yelling, the yelling matches calling people names, debates, intimidation, coercion, even if the people in political power are intimidating those who are under them, forcing them, you know, uh, uh, whatever all of that was that Obama said. It's not going to resolve the issue. Well, the thing is, too, see, part of the the homosexual movement agenda, part of that, it, it is intimidation. Yeah. It is threats and intimidation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we're but doing the same thing. But that's not the way we're we d- un- are to respond as believers. Right. Some of us in, in our own emotional hot buttons being pushed are enraged and angry. There's been a severe injustice committed. And that's what anger is. Anger is our response to an injustice. So if you've got a hot button, you're a Christian believer, whatever, you are angry, enraged, you know, just because there has been an, a severe injustice committed against God, against the righteous and divine nature, God's divine order of things. So take it back to God, turn the crime over to God, forgive these people, because here's what's happening. This is just one more part. Um, it, you know, it's time to speak out um, and, and do some things. You know, that's what people think. Speak up, speak out. Uh, it's critical. It's it's really, in some ways, too late to turn back this tide, this tsunami of sin of which homosexuality, gay marriage is only a tiny little part. This is a tsunami of sin that is upon us, and the wave is about to hit the shore. And when the tsunami hits, the tsunami of sin, all kinds of sin, this isn't just, I mean, this is 
sexual perversion, this is pornography, this is human trafficking, this is abortion, this is the use of drugs, this is bitterness, this is gossip, this is divorce, this is hatred, this is Jezebel, witchcraft. This tsunami of sin is about to hit the shores of America, literally, with judgment. And we're not saying, you know, we're not cursing America, but, but you know when a tsunami hits, it hits everything. There is no stopping it. So we are in a judgment, um, and this judgment actually has been, it's like a silent volcano that's just boiling underneath and about to erupt pretty soon. And nobody, if you're still living on top of the surface of the volcano, not aware. You know, you're going, you're going out to lunch. You're driving your car on the side of the mountain. You know, you're, you're, you're doing your thing, and underneath there's the rumbling of what's about to explode and bring this avalanche of lava and hot molten death upon the city that well, you dwell so safely in. Well, really, uh, the official approval of uh, homosexual marriage is really part of the judgment of God upon our nation. Right, it is. But that judgment began is, is, is already in process, guys, because it's been subtle, it's been silent. It's been taking you, your loved ones out at a very shocking but not shocking rate because people are dying too young, they're dying of cancer, they're dying of this plague, that disease, um, autism is increasing, uh, drug addictions, everything. So these silent killers that we have not noticed as a judgment are really among us. And they yes. brought death, divorce, division, depression, disease, mental, physical, financial, relational, social bankruptcy to break the back of the believers, the righteous, and the unrighteous right along with them. Because we've all rejected, or pretty much not generally all, but the idea of holy living um, has been rejected. And because we've rejected the holiness of God, the holiness of his word, the love of God, reconstructed even the gospel to fit our own needs, redefined the gospel, redefined words like grace and God and Lord and love. We re- redefined everything to create a whole new um, uh, paradigm that really is orchestrated by hell. Our blessings are being swept out to sea. So that's very clear in the Old Testament. You know, the sins have brought upon the people, brought upon them the judgments of God, the diseases, the, yep. the wickedness, the corruption in their bones, even down to your very bones. This is taking an effect. Yeah, yeah. And so really, uh, yeah, the consequences are, are, are really hitting hitting America hard. And they'll be they'll be hitting America harder and harder as, as the days come by. And, and basically what, what this is, uh, uh, is part of the, the results of us rejecting God. Mm-hmm. Because if you, you know, read Romans one eighteen through 32, it talks about basically what it's talking about is that people, maybe I'll just read that, um, passage verses 18 through 32, <clears throat> Kind of long, but okay. Um, this is this is let let me set the parameter. This is Romans, and this is where there Paul is talking about what happens when people reject the counsel of God's uh, word. Right, Romans one eighteen following. Uh, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So because of what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, 
being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. This is the this is the um, devolution of mankind. <laughs> all right, devolving, devolving. Yeah. But became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools mm-hmm. and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals. And by, by the way, that image of God was also stamped into us when we we're made in God's image. So our original divine nature is to be made in the image of God. So now we're willing here, as the passage goes on, to change, give up, trade in the image of God, made in the image of God, for the image of a bird or a beast, yeah. a corruptible thing. Go ahead. Verse, verse 24, therefore God also gave them up, so they gave up God and says God gave them up. And that's what parents do sometimes. They give their kids up. In the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use of what is against nature lesbianism, and the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust to one another, homosexuality, men with men committing what is shameful, not what is honorable, but what is shameful. Defiling of their and, human and, na- their and God and nature. Justice Anthony Kennedy was talking about the dignity of homosexuality. Well, there's no dignity in it. It's shameful. And receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they don't even think, get, just get God out of our faces. Yeah, yeah. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, sexual immorality wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, de- deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbaiters, haters of God, violent, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also prove of those who practice them. So this is really... So are we still on? Oh, we are on good. The, I thought we lost you all. The, Sorry, because of course the historical declension of mankind, and it's a result of when mankind had a revelation of God, mm-hmm. and and they're being created in the image of God, had that revelation, but chose to reject that revelation. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, I want something better. Believing the lie of Satan, yes, exactly, and, and saying we we can do it better ourselves, and that's what we're doing when we're defined, mm-hmm. redefining what God has established. And who we are. Yeah, yeah and, and it, we can do it better. Well, we, we're choosing to believe the enticements, the seductions of the enemy who is with us and stirring up among us. So the thing is, God gave them up. And the reason God gave them up is basically because he had to. Because God is committed to allowing us to operate under the counsel of the free will free to will. choose mm-hmm. that he gave us. But in 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 that context of a free will... We have to also put the deceiver, 
who is there to entice, seduce, trick us into believing a lie. We use our free will to make a choice, but the devil makes the choice look like the good thing, like the, like, like, like the truth, because we're built by God to want the truth. So this truth he gives us makes us look like this is freedom, freedom of expression, freedom to do what I want, freedom to not be told who I am, freedom to explore, discover myself, myself. So the devil says to Eve, uh, you will be like God. So the devil is still trying to give us all kinds of uh, opportunities to be like God when, in fact, we were already created by God. So we had God's image and nature in us. That doesn't mean we are God. That doesn't mean we are God's. But our last name, basically, we're in the family of God. So if I, I love what God loves and I hate what God hates, then I'm built in my divine nature, my, my true nature, to love justice and hate sin, to love purity, to love holiness, to love mercy, to love goodness and kindness and truth. And this is God's goal for us, to know who we are according to what he has created and not according to what the devil is trying to recreate us through a sinful human nature to believe that we are and then gives us all these tasks of getting back into the goodness uh, and, and perfection that he, the devil is trying to help you get saved and get back your divine nature when in fact you still have your divine nature it is in your spirit so we have a problem here because the devil is trying to say here's how you get to be god god is saying no no i already made you in my image and so we have this big battle that says no no this is what you can you can do this you're okay to do this 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 is freedom you know but here's the here's the bottom line now let's get to the real bottom line because you know talking about problems all day long is is not encouraging. We need some solutions. Yeah, and the thing is, just to, along with that, Marjorie, is that Satan from the beginning has labored and endeavored to redefine God man. and, and redefine yes. man. Yes. So, so this redefinition is. Uh, you remember an example of Daniel and those uh, his three friends when yeah. they were taken into Shadrach, Babylon. Meshach, and Abednego. They gave them new names. Yes. They gave them Babylonian education. New food. New food. They were trying to redefine them, but they held, Daniel. they were able to hold to their identity yes. as people of covenant, people of God. In the face of great threats, actually, because yes. they were threatened to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And so that's a challenge for us today, that yeah. we cannot accept these, uh, and we have accepted in, in our nation and our churches even, the, all these redefinitions of, yeah, well, psycho, of the Word of Satan. God, of God, of our identity. But we need to get back to, like you're saying, honey, our true identity and well, here's who, the deal. who we really are, who God really is. Here's, we, here's the problem. Um, God defined us first as, as giving us a divine nature. Then we do all these, we were thrown into the snake pit of life where Satan redefines us not as a being but as a doing. So now all, and I'm defined by what I do. And by what happens to me. So what I'm doing, how I'm responding, I am psych- being psychologically reconditioned to accept the the identity Satan wants to put on me. And that is that I have a sinful human nature. And yeah, I know the church goes along with a lot of that. And I think a lot of the people out there are very confused about the church because the church is very confused about itself. We have, we do sin. There's no doubt about it. We do demonic things, diabolical things, uh, depraved things. But we're acting in those moments under the counsel, not of God, but of the of Satan. It's because we don't understand that we are still being influenced by both God and the devil. So um, the real issue in a nutshell um, is, is really having to be, dis- we have to break this down 
into its simplest issues. One is it, the first issue is being versus behavior. Now, all these people in Romans one who are being moved towards a behavior of rejecting God, rejecting their own identity, rejecting the holiness, the counsel, the purity, the love, the truth of God, being moved into a behavior. Now they're being redefined as uh, homosexual, um, whatever you want to call it. They're just being we're, we're being redefined by our sin. But now we're passing a law to say, but that sin is is okay because it's legal. And so now what I'm doing morally, my behavior is morally okay. But does that mean it's accepted by God? Well, not, God does not contradict himself. So he's warned us about various things because he says, I know who's tricking you. I know the devil's tricking you. You don't know that. You think it's you, but it's not you. It's the devil guised as you coming to you, attempting you with thoughts and feelings and situations, uh, generational curses, things, predispositions, predispositions to make you believe that you are something that you are not. And that is moving us away from the truth. So God then says in Romans, okay, I got to give you over to a debased mind, a debased, a depraved mind. So when God turns us over, that doesn't mean God is giving up. It's just like the parent who says, okay, son, daughter, you're insisting, you're going to go out and do the drugs. You know, I'm like, you're like the, go, okay, the prodigal son, I want my inheritance, I'm out of here. Leave me alone, dad, don't tell me what to do. So dad gave him the inheritance, dad gave him the permission, the kid left home, took his drugs with him, whatever he did, and the dad waited. He was praying, I'm sure, crying, weeping, looking down the road, waiting for his son to come back to his senses, which finally did happen, by the way, uh, which is a good ending to that story. But, you know, we as parents, God as God, has got to let us go because it's the only thing that will bring us back to the truth is going down that road that you thought was the truth far enough so you realize it's, it's not the truth, it's a lie, it's death, it's destruction. That backsliding, the Bible says, brings us back to repentance. And how many people have already been down that road. I've got to tell you a story. Um, my friend, her name is Linda, she, came, she had been a lesbian for 43 years. In her earlier childhood, she had been sexually abused by family members almost every day of her childhood life. She had a great um, exposure to crimes, violent crimes. Her people were members of the mafia. Um, she saw terrible things. Then, at, at a very young age, young teen, he might be 16, 17. Both of her parents died within a course of, of six months. Because they were wealthy, she and her sister were given a lot of money. And, of course, they, with no parental guidance, used all that money. At least she did. I don't know what her sister, I don't think her sister did. But she used it all in drugs. Why? Because she had been sexually abused. She was lost. She was grieving. She hated herself. She was confused. The drugs, she used over a quarter of a million dollars in drugs. And still was not happy. And during that time, she she was drawn towards, she was into some Christian uh, ministry groups as a young person and had some Christian friends. And, and But I don't know if she ever went to a Christian church, but she had these friends. But she was being pulled more and more into the gay lifestyle and ultimately gave in to that. And for 43 years, she was one of the uh, most politically active lesbians in the metro. And she worked and rallied for all kinds of gay rights and and women's rights and promoting this and that and whatever. But at at about the age, let's see, how old was she? Maybe in her late 40s, early 50s, she got saved, as you would say. I came to um, 
a rally where Jesus Christ was being preached, salvation message. And she got radically saved. As a matter of fact, so radically saved. This is all a true story. Um, she, she, that night, she did not go home to her lesbian lover. She left her clothes, didn't go back, left her stuff, didn't go back to the home, went back to live from that point on at her sister's house because her sister, it was, she had the freedom to, to not have to be practice the homosexual lifestyle at that point. And then she began to pursue God and get some deliverance, seek God, read the Bible, go to church, um, struggled, still struggled a lot with the, 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 the feelings and the uh, seductions and the, um, the, the and pain. And her body began to take on the, um, the effects of this huge conflict. She uh, got diabetes. She got uh, eventually, within the course of this battle, a spiritual battle, which she wasn't quite able. She, was, she says, always, she said, in the back of my mind, and she's retelling the story when she was practicing her lesbian life, always in the back of my mind, she said, there was this little tear. She said, this little thing that wouldn't quite let me be okay with it. And so she, she called it a tear, a tear in her mind. It wasn't complete. It wasn't whole. This little tear. And so she said she spent over $100,000 over her lifetime of being a lesbian to go to counseling, psychotherapy, to try to fix that little tear so that she could be completely happy with being this new lesbian person, which was basically in contradiction to her first divine nature. So she never really got that resolved until she found Jesus. Then the tear was gone, and now she was just battling the residue of strongholds and spirits that had took, taken over, programmed her mind. Uh, so there, the battle then became between her soul her mind, will, and emotions, and her spirit. And as she battled to find, you know, walk in the peace of God, ultimately what happened is her body couldn't keep up with the battle. And she got cancer, and um, she died. But I really believe she wanted to die. I think her fight was too great, and God says, that's fine, honey. You did good. Let's go home. And so she actually knew when she was going to die because the, the, the doctor told her, he says, your body is filling up with blood clots. You have eight to ten days to live. Eight to ten days. When she descended, the plane is landing. She's dying now. Um, she recontacted her old lesbian lover. And this woman came to see her at the hospital. And Linda explained to this woman what had happened to her and how she had found Jesus. And in the process of explaining it to her ex-lover, the ex-lover also accepted Jesus Christ. And she ministered to this dying woman, Linda, in the hospital on, on her deathbed until she died. And she also spoke at the funeral and shared her story and what had happened. So you see, it went full circle that both of these women had been lost, swallowed up by sin, but the great love of God worked with both of them where they were at. He didn't condemn them. He didn't cut them off. He's the prodigal, uh, waiting for the prodigal to come home. He's the, he's the father, waiting. And he worked with them, drew them, until they both came in back into the fold, and God received them. And at the funeral, guess who gave the eulogy? This brand-new Christian who was ex-lover of the one that she was speaking about. So you see, with God, 
things can have a great ending. You say, well, how is that a great ending? Well, my friend had peace with God. She made it through the severe emotional, demonic, diabolical war conflict that she was caught in. God delivered her, and in the process of delivering her, the forgiveness and the love brought someone else to Jesus. That's what I say is a great testimony that God prevailed. And so when we recognize that working with these kind of people, we have to separate. Let's make this issue really clear in a nutshell. Here's number one, point one. Describing the problem is not the solution to the problem. The awfulness of the problem does not uh, fix the problem or motivate action to fix the problem. It can cause us to become very angry, confused, you know, caught up in the awfulness of the problem. Uh, where we're at, this is a uh, kind of a, where we're at in the world right now, this is happening, it is going to happen, and there is really technically no way you can stop the descent into this diabolical place because all of us who really know God really know that we are heading towards the return of Jesus Christ, which may be, in terms of the rapture, may be eminent for others who don't quite get it. It's soon, but uh, there's still a whole lot more pain and agony to go through. Next, using um, scripture or common sense to talk to someone to talk someone out of their behavior, you know, preaching, using the Bible, beating them up with the Bible, um, to appeal to reasoning is not going to work because it's not reasoning. It's not your mind. It's not your your soul that needs to be changed uh, because we're caught up in behaviors. How many of us are caught up in behaviors of other kinds that we're trying to stop but we can't quit? So how is me trying to stop being gay or trying to stop doing drugs Trying to stop something I can't quit is is really defined as control. You're being controlled by something that is not you, that's bigger than you, that has got a hold of you. Paul said it this way in Romans 7.20. He says, if I am doing what I do not want to do, it is not me doing it. It is the sin that dwells in me. So Paul is not saying, take responsibility, try harder, you know, He is saying, there's something controlling me. Paul is a great man. He's got it together. He's a, he's a saved saint, apostle, at that moment writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he wrote, I can't do this. There's something controlling me. And God didn't say, Paul, shape up. Get control of yourself. Paul, God didn't say, Paul, erase that last line and write, you need to take responsibility. Because we misuse that word too responsibility is not the word God ever uses against us or for us or expects us to take responsibility. That's a human word created by the devil as a hook to hang us on something so we can feel guilty about something we didn't take responsibility to or we failed to do. But God uses the word faithful, that God is faithful to you. Wherever you're at, whatever place you are in the struggle, in the battle, in the pit, on the beach with the tsunami coming in, wherever you are at, you're not going to control the tsunami. You're going to have to go back to God and say, confess your sin, change your mind, repent, say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I can't do this. Deliver me from this demon, this spirit that is wanting to act out through me in this very devious, depraved way. Whatever it is, if you're, if you've got, you know, think about it, people. Are you doing what you really want to do? Do you really want to, you know, those thoughts in your mind, that impression in your mind, that imagination, that thought, that sin, do you really want to do that? 
Not in your spirit you don't, because your spirit real re- still reflects the peace, the truth, the love of God. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, what, what you're talking about, we can we can single out homosexuality as and what the Bible describes as a sinful type of behavior, but then there's 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 covetousness, there's idolatry, yeah. there's gossip, and we tend to sometimes categorize sin, categorize sin as some that are are worse than others. Um, yeah. You know, and but the thing is, to, you know, if but you're, sin is sin. If, if you know, if you're if you're a gossip. And then you're or resenting, or resenting, or, or bitter, or yeah. angry, or or, or uh, any anything like that. If if you're say you're a gossiper, mm-hmm. but you you think you can justify yourself because you say, well, at least I'm not a yeah, a my sin is not as bad as that like sin. That. My sin is not as bad as your sin. That's that's wrong because God covers this sin. That sin. There's certain sins that have, if they are approved of. And endorsed and encouraged, there are certain sins that have different effects upon um, society. Mm-hmm. You know, how about broader, the sin? Especially. How about the sin of hating yourself? Let's just yeah. skip the homosexual bi- business for a minute. You know, yeah. that's hating other people. What about the sin of you hating yourself? Is that coming from God, or is that coming from a spirit who's who set you up to believe you're stupid, you're unworthy, you're no good, you're never going to make it. Just because your parents were, were screwed up or unable to love you with the way you thought they should love you, they did the best they could, by the way, whatever they had, you know, they do love you. They do. They're not showing it very well because they're also demonized, but I am bad. We never attack anybody and say, you need to repent of that belief that I am bad, I am no good, I'm, that's a sin, in the, and that's a slap in the face of God just as much as homosexuality because you're saying, I don't like me. I, God says, I made you in my image. You're good to go. I love you. You're great. And you say, but I don't like me because I don't like the shape of my nose. And other people don't like me, so I don't like me. Who's talking to you? Yeah. Now, why do we not lead people to repent? He said, well, that would be arrogant if I liked myself. I would be narcissistic. No, you wouldn't. If you love yourself, God says, before love your you can neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor. You can't love those people out there who are messing up unless you really love yourself. If you really love yourself and know that God loves you, then you'll have love to give to them and compassion to realize there this is a soul issue, not a behavior issue. This behavior is bad, yes. It's we're not condoning it. We're not saying go for it. We're saying it is you you've you've messed up. You're you're in a black alley and you're going to get beat up. You don't have to go there. You can turn around, repent, turn around and come back. But if you hate yourself, you are in no better position than the guy who loves himself narcissistically or selfishly or is is heaping all kinds of earthly pleasures upon himself. This walk is a narrow walk. And Jesus says to follow me. He doesn't say be good or be perfect. He doesn't say you have to do this. He says, I already did it. I already bought and paid for your identity on the cross. Now all you have to do is is call upon me and you can have it. In Romans, if you go back, uh, let's see, you actually go forward in the book where Jerry just read uh, to chapter 8. Listen to this. God says, I'm going to read 828 first because this is a promise of God. You know, we start out with the bad. God starts out in chapter 1 with all the bad stuff. Then he goes through, he, he begins to, through the whole rest of the book, lead us in how to, how to get out of that, how to be free. So in Romans 828, he says, if you're a believer, here's what your promise is. We know, and we know. It's not we think, we hope, or we believe. We know. And there's a difference between knowing, thinking, and believing. 
um, I can believe something, but if I know it, I don't need to believe it because I already know it. Does that make sense to you? If I know how to get there, I don't need to believe that this road will take me there when I already know that road will. So if I'm going to be stupid and take the road I think will get me there, or I can take the road I know will get me there. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And I know right now, I, I know there are people who are going to listen to this message that are stuck in homosexuality. I know that because I am going to personally call them up and have them listen to this message. And you know what? I think they will. And thanks for listening, you guys. I know who you are. Okay. So, but anyway, um, he says, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. We say, well, who is that then? People are called. Does that mean God is selecting out certain people and, and, you know, he's got his favorites and some of us get called and some of us just kick, kick to the curb by God? Uh, well, I don't think God would kick any of his kids to the curb. But anyway, he says, um, this is the verse I want to get to, 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So the image we're looking for here is not our own identity, but being made in the image of God, being conformed to the original, the original image made in the image of God. Now God wants us to conform to it. He wants us to come into agreement with it. God made us in his image, but God didn't say, I'm forcing you to walk in my image, to live in my image. He says, now, here's, your, here's the deal. He foreknew everybody, and he predestined it. We said, well, that's not fair. He's predestined, forcing me. I don't have a choice. I mean, I'm born to do this. But listen, let's read the rest of the verse before you panic and freak out. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So that's what he's calling, that's the high call, to be made or re- reconformed into the image of his son. But who did he foreknow? It says, whom he foreknew. Who did God know about ahead of time? He knew about everybody ahead of time, didn't he? He knew about everybody. And so when he knew about everybody, he called everybody to come back, to come into agreement, to believe the truth, so we could all be with him forever. He invites us all to come back home. Okay, be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, or that word moreover means, in con- and continuing, moreover, whom he predestined. Now, who did we decide he predestined? Everybody he knew. Who did he know? Everybody. So who did he predestine? Everybody. These he also called. So who did he call? Everybody. What did he call them to do? He called us to come back into agreement with him. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So you can tell if you're in the truth or not by reducing the truth down to see what kind of freedoms you're walking in. They may be, may be the temporal, oh, I'm free. I'm free to do what I want, eat what I want, drink what I want use the drug I want, practice, you know, my sexual preferences as I want, whatever you want to do. That may look like freedom to you, but reduce it down to its final fruit, and you will see that all that stuff brings death and destruction. So he's calling us to walk in a place of freedom. He says, whom he called. But here's the problem. It's like getting invited to a wedding. You get invited to a lot of weddings. Some of them you show up and you end up getting to eat the wedding cake because you stick stick it out for the whole service, the the whole program, the whole party. But some of you just reject. Oh, I'm not going to that wedding. Oh, all they want is a present. Oh, I'm not. And so you get called to the wedding, but you choose whether you're going to go based on your, your time, your circumstances, availability, blah, blah, blah. So in the fact that God calls everybody, he now offers you the choice to choose to answer the call. That's the call of salvation. That's the call to come back, to walk in the powerful uh, love of God into the revelation of Jesus Christ. But and those who call who answer the call, this is what you get. This is the wedding cake. You get to be justified. He says, 
whom he called these, he also justified. So if you answer the call, you get justified, just as if I had never sinned. I am clean, good to go. The mud puddle mud is washed off. The snake bits, bites are he- healed. I get a new garment of righteousness. I am ready to go. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So now I get to go to heaven and party with God as he wants me to live, know him, live in peace, joy, power, completion forever, forever. Now, if you reject the call, I don't know if we can blame God for that because you actually had the freedom to accept. Now, what we're going to have to blame is the devil because he's tricked you into believing that that wasn't a real call, that God doesn't really exist. God doesn't have the authority to call. God didn't mean it. God has really got a hidden agenda. He really hates you. He's trying to control you, make you feel like you don't have a freedom, a free will. And if you use your free will, he's going to beat you up for using it if you don't do it exactly the way he wants. Now, that's what, that's a slam against God's character. And that's the other problem. Our identity is being slammed and God's identity is being absolutely slammed. By who? By the devil. That most people have been led to believe really doesn't exist. But why did... You know, okay, so you try to explain all this without putting the devil in the equation. What's that big, bad last war called Armageddon going to be about? Who's God going to come down and defeat? The people? Yes. But who's he going to slay with the breath of his mouth? Uh, the devil. And so, of course, this big story that we're in, you're in such a little part, we're in such a little part of that story. But it's really nice to know the whole story so you can kind of get read back and find the ending, read the ending before you have to get to the ending. Because once you get to the ending and you don't know what the ending was going to be, you might be in the wrong place. So it's very wise for you to read the book. So really, what it really amounts to that Jesus came because we are, we've, we believe the lies of the enemy. We've right. lived in this various kinds of brokenness. Yes. And and really what what happens is this, the, the brokenness, the, the bondages that the things that promise freedom that the devil promises freedom would actually lead us into bondage, mm-hmm. and we're all kind of in a sense victims of that, and that's why Jesus came to mm-hmm. to to rescue us from that, amen. To give us a new life, give us our to reinstate our true identity as His creation, as His people, uh, and but that comes through repentance, which means changing changing your mind coming into agreement with God, rejecting your old ways and accepting God's ways, and putting your faith, just your total trust in Jesus Christ to be your to be your savior, to be your friend, to be your guide, to be your hope, you know, because that is really the hope. And and really what what we uh, are called to do in these days is point people to Jesus Christ. It's the same same assignment that that we as believers have mm-hmm. been given mm-hmm. is to demonstrate the grace and power of Jesus Christ yeah. not to endorse all kinds of sin but just say hey there is a way out and and that way out yeah. and and that way out of where your bondage and into is this, the is new it life an absolute is Jesus Christ he is the way he is, he is the, the truth. truth he is the life you know i i talked to someone recently and they're looking for the truth and they want to get everybody's opinion of what the truth is and kind of come to a consensus a, a a global consciousness of what truth is what unity is what peace is. that is never going to happen because never everybody's never going to agree with everybody and you're never going to have time to poll everybody before you actually die yourself so the absolute truth of Jesus Christ, why can't we just believe what God said, that he is the creator, he does love us, he did die for us, this is a snake pit we have been born into, that God, it's not God's fault, but
but God had to permit it. And that's a lot of other subjects. And there's tons of questions. And that's why people say, well, I don't get, I can't do this because I have, can't just believe in God. I got to know why and understand and blah, blah, blah. But the church is, is, is really right now, if you're looking for your answers in the church, that's not the right place to look. Don't, you know, go to a preacher. One preacher will say this. Another preacher will say that. We'll say this. You go to the Lord God yourself. Go to your Bible. Get a real Bible. Don't get one of those translations, one of those message Bibles, one of those messed up, messed up, messy. Get a, a real version of the Bible and, and read it for yourself. Take off all your prejudice glasses, whether it's, it's religion, denomination, legalism, you know, what you wanted to say, take all that stuff off and just read the words and let the Lord, you know, ask God to, first of all, protect your mind so the devil doesn't snatch all the understanding and comprehension of that word out of your mind, that the Holy Spirit will give you a a clear mind to understand it and then ask the Holy Spirit to show you what it means because he's been sent by God specifically to be our GPS, our Holy Ghost guidance system to get us back to God safely. And so, but the church is giving mixed messages, conflicting messages. They don't know where to stand because most of them have not been preaching the right gospel. Anyway, they have a mixed up, conflicted gospel. They're, they're mixed up on doctrines, scriptures, etc. They don't understand the gospel of grace. Uh, I'm not saying we understand it all, but I know that the, the bottom line is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And love does not mean I condone. But if you go to the church, if you go to your own reasoning, if you go to in the secular world, if you go to public opinion, if you go to the radio talk shows, even this one. But if you go, you know, we're looking for everybody's searching. They either want to have a place, a, a, a platform from which to speak out, to vent their anger, their this, their that. And, and that's okay. You know, some people are called to vent and, and do that, and maybe that'll help somebody else get on the right track. But for the most part, it's like this. This is what, it, it, you know, trying to figure it out. You know, we have, first of all, you have all these issues. God, you know, is, is not the center. God isn't created. He's not a God. I am my God. There's many gods. I'm my own God. God, his word oftentimes carries little or no weight. So we have no standards. We have no absolutes. We have no truth, no no foundation upon which to stand. He has become, like we said before, one of many options. But, so if I am going to base my choices um, my decisions of what truth is based on my experiences, based on my opinions, based on how it feels. Um, uh, so I make my critical decisions about my life based on uh, that, that on matters that are way beyond me. And I have, I, I'm going to define God. Who am I? I'm like the minnow trying to define and explain the ocean. <laughs> yeah, right. I've not been there. So it's like this. It's like Two or three-year-olds running air tra- the air traffic control centers. You know, they're having fun crashing planes, seeing fire, things blowing up, but they're not aware of the carnage it's leaving behind. We are like that. We're like two or three-year-olds in these seats of power to control these missiles, these airplanes, these issues that are coming, sailing us from every direction, and we don't have any comprehension of the damage or the danger that we ourselves are in. We could blow up the, the tower quite easily, actually, and it's about to happen. So as a two- or three-year-old, it would be best for us to let those who understand, and that would be God's Word, God's Holy Spirit, and those of you who have sought the Lord on your face, cried out to God, repented of your sins, confessed them, broke the curses of your generations, and asked God 
to help you, cause you, cause you. I ask God to cause me, not help me. Don't help me, God. Cause me to walk in your Holy Spirit. And I will not fulfill, the Bible says in Galatians, the lust of the flesh. Now, the lust of the flesh will lead me into all kinds of dangerous places. You know, my flesh is not bad. But what that means, the lust of the flesh, by the way, does not mean I am vile uh, or bad. It, my flesh, actually, the Bible says, is fearfully and wonderfully made. Your flesh is the most intricate, amazing creation. Uh, it, the way that it's all connected, balanced, the DNA, the the exchanges, uh, the oxygen, the the vessels, the inst- the, the the organs. It's just like we we all know this. It's beyond our comp- It's so brilliantly made. So. I'm not cursing my, my body. I'm not saying, body, you are bad. Because when I say, body, you are bad, then I'm asking, I'm letting sickness come in and attack my body. You know, I love the, my, my, my vessel, okay? It may not be for perfect, but it's good enough to get the job done, you know? You may not like the shape of your nose or the, the fact that you got a, you know, a, a toe that's bigger than the other toe, but it doesn't matter. But this vessel is not the problem. I, my, in my, in my says, um, our flesh is, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But it says, also says, in my flesh dwells, dwells, no good thing. What's dwelling in my flesh that's not good if I'm good? Something that's not good that we're dwelling in my flesh would be the demonic programming of the evil one, the programming that's been set up through the experiences. So in my flesh dwells no good thing. So a lot of churches, gospels, imitations, they go after the flesh. Okay, your flesh is wicked, evil, sinful. No, it's not. James 1, 13, 14 says, that my flesh is, you know, it says my flesh is weak, basically. If you read that, it says, um, the, the old King James says the lust of the flesh, but it means the vulnerabilities of the flesh. The flesh is vulnerable to needing, desperately needing, critically needing certain things. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. God is not tempting us to go off and be gay. God is not tempting us to do drugs. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt he himself tempt anyone, but he has to permit the devil to present the option to love, which is hate, which is fear. And he says that each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. When your vulnerability, the weakness of your body, puts you in a critical place, maybe that desire is for love. Uh, maybe that is for peace. Maybe it is for, um, you know, to re- joy, whatever it is. You need, you need um, food. You need air. To breathe, you need air pressures, you need right air temperatures, you need water, we need meaning, we need purpose. There's nothing wrong with those things, and there's nothing wrong with needing them. But needing them makes me weak, vulnerable. A baby is weak, vulnerable, has lots of needs. But that doesn't mean the baby is vile, the, the baby is sinful, the baby is vulnerable. So when we are in, in pressured by the enemy, put in a difficult position to need something that we must have to live, of course we want to live, then the devil brings by his solution to the problem to fix the problem he created in the first place, and he entices us. He ent- here's, how you, here's how you fix that pain. Here's what you do. You, you, here's how you fix your, your, your broken identity. Here's how you take care of that broken heart. Here's how you take care of that sinful assault against you as a child. Here's what you do. And he offers you a solution, entices you to take a solution to your, to your problem, and when you take the solution, you're enticed by the devil, seduced by the devil, to take the solution that he has given you, that it creates what happens? 
when your desire and the enticement or the temptation come together, they're married together, and when the desire has conceived, it conceives and it gives birth. You, the conception gives birth to sin, and sin, bring, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. So if you're using the devil's solutions to fix your problems, the ultimate end is death and destruction. And that's what the Bible says. Um, and a lot of us get tricked time into using the devil's solutions to how to fix or temporarily repair something. And so when it, what, it, and the solutions are very simple, like Jerry's talking about. If you will surrender, you say, I can't surrender. Surrender means I'm vulnerable, I'm weak, I'm going to be picked on, I'm going to be laughed at, um, I'm going to be stupid. Surrendering to God is the most brilliant thing you can ever do. Because God loves you. God is all-powerful. God is for you. God is not for yeah, He's for you. He's not against you. He's not for sin. He's not for you having to figure it out yourself. He's not for you because you're going to have to be perfect to get him to like you. He is for you because you're his. Why do you love your kids? Because they're perfect? No. You even love them when they're not perfect. Why do you love your kids? That's the same reason God loves us, because we're his. That's why you love your kids. That's why you put up with all their behavior. That's why you suffer. That's why you love them. That's why you have to let them go. That's why you're sad when they go make bad decisions, because you love them. And at some point, you have to let them go so they can come back to you willingly. And that's the same with God. He had to let us go so we can come back to him willingly, because then it's love. If you're just doing all the rules so that God doesn't get mad at you, you're still a robot. You don't do the rules to make God happy or so you can stay out of hell. You do the rules because they're in your heart and they're the same rules that are in the heart of God and you've decided that that's the best way to go. So you're, you know, that's the way to real peace and joy and reconciliation with God is not keeping the letter of the law. Jesus said the letter kills. If you're just keeping the rules, keeping the commandments, to keep the commandments so you can be perfect, so God won't be mad at you, so you don't commit a sin, so you don't go to hell. That's not the point. That's not salvation. That's hard work. Salvation is grace. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden and can't figure this out and are caught in the crossfire and are messed up in this mud puddle. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So the, the fruit of a relationship with Christ is love, joy, peace, rest, not getting anxious. Be anxious for nothing, the Bible says. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Rejoice in the Lord. So rest and rejoice in the middle of this mess is really the way we declare truth, strength, and the purposes, will, intention, character of God in and through us these days. It is not to freak out, throw stones, get mad. Um, let them, don't let them control you by letting them push your hot button. That's not even the issue. It's not about behavior. It is about being, and it's about the Word of God. It's about the battle, and we're in it. Well, we want to give you the opportunity here as you listen to all this. We've given a lot lot to you here today. Yeah. But let's let's just pray. I just like, maybe you would like to just, um, yeah. just bring this before the Lord. And... Um, let me just um, pray for you. Lord, I, I just thank you for those that are listening today. And this one that's listening that has heard a lot, um, a lot of scripture, a lot of thoughts, a lot of insight. Lord, I just pray that you would help this person today that's listening mm-hmm. right now. Amen. Just in the in the privacy of their room, their office, their heart, 
that they will just see your great love for them. That they will see, Lord, that you have called them, uh, you have created them uh, for a wonderful, wonderful purpose here on earth and, and in eternity forever. So, Lord, I pray that you would just, right now, I just pray that, Lord, that you would just, as they call out to you, that you would break the bondages of sin, break the power of the lies that are in their minds and hearts, break the bondages of of behavior, Lord, and and may they come into a whole new being. You said, Lord, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. Lord, I pray that you just help this one. Break the power of Satan in their lives and help them, Lord, just to walk in the newness uh, of life that you have brought. You you went to the cross. You, you, you took all our sin and all our pain and you, you absorbed it upon yourself on the cross and you died. You gave your life blood. You were raised from the dead you, to give us new life and to give us hope and, and and to just free us, Lord. You said, whom the Son has set free shall be free indeed. And so I pray for the, the one that's believing in you, trusting in you right now, uh, repenting, changing their minds and hearts, coming into agreement with you right now, that, Jesus, that you'd make yourself so real, you'd make yourself the greatest reality in their lives, and that you will help them, Lord, in the days today and in the days to come, just to by the power of your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, to guide them, lead them, encourage them, open your Word, your Holy Word to them, that they will see it as life and truth that will just explode within their heart and within their spirit and in their minds, Father. Mm -hmm. We pray for your blessing and grace now upon these that are, are doing this right now. And even maybe for those that are not doing this right now, Lord, may they just um, keep their hearts open to all that you have for them in the days to come. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And we also pray, Father God, that you would keep that which they are committing to you, their salvation, their safe um, journey home, uh, to rec- to to keep that which they've committed to you against that day, against that day of oppression, uh, mental, emotional assault, physical assault. Let that you, Lord God, keep their salvation for them because you said, the Father has given them into my hand and I have not lost anyone except the son of perdition. And so let them be kept by your spirit. Let them know that, Lord, that it is your Holy Spirit that now dwells richly in them to lead them into all truth that they'd walk in and respond to their spirit comforted and guided by your spirit, Father, in Jesus' name. And let no one be lost, Father God. And thank you, Jesus, for the revelation of your truth to us. Amen. Now, yeah. guys, guys, if you want to um, get a hold of us, you want to contact, you want to talk to us in person, write to us, email us, get on some sites that will help you uh, to know more about, get more information. Uh, we have a website called, uh, one of them is called, liferecovery.com and on that li- on that website you're going to find some blogs you're going to find the radio show archives you're going to find um teaching on what we were talking about today you know, I also we also have opportunities to do counseling 
Um, and even if you're not in the area, we do phone consults and things like that. So there's kinds of opportunities to disciple, to help you to understand. Uh, and then, of course, we have the radio shows, which are basically weekly teachings. And then we also have True Light Church at uh, meets at the uh, Holiday Inn Express in Rogers, Minnesota, at 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And we'd love to have you there. Um, it's a, it's really a Book of Acts type of church. It's you know it's don't come in there expecting it to look like any church you've ever been in. And then the other thing, uh, True Light has a website. Yeah, uh, True Light Church MN dot org. Yeah, and spell out the word light T R U L I G H T M N dot org, and on there you'll find church the times of the service or the meetings actually. Um, and lots of helpful information. Yeah, and then if you go... Again, Call us. Again, yeah. Let We'd us know. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And uh, if you go, again, liferecovery.com, you'll find uh, DVDs, CDs, books, uh, manuals, all kinds of things that mm-hmm. uh, would be, I think, very, very helpful. And let's give you. them an email, too, while we're at it. What's You want to give an email? i give you my personal yeah. email. Mm-hmm. My personal email is Gerald Cole, J-A-R-R-O-L-C-O-L-E at yahoo.com. Again, Mm -hmm. J-A-R-R-O-L-C-O-L-E at yahoo.com. That's my personal email. That's my best If you have a question, we'd uh, love to talk with you. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and God bless you. We'll talk to you again next week. Amen. Okay. Thank you. I have an emergency. What is your location? 